0: Up to 8:46, as promised, Mark Zastro's here with our science and technology. Good morning. Good morning, Alex. And um, we know Elon Musk thinks big, and that his company SpaceX is nothing, if not ambitious, but it still came as a bit of a shock last week when SpaceX announced it will send two paying space tourists on a flight, not around the world, but around the moon, <laughs> and by the end of next year. Yeah, this is a very ambitious target. Uh, SpaceX plans to
1: launch these private citizens, as you said, on a flight around the moon, not to land on it, but to orbit around it and then return to Earth. So this will be the first time that anyone, you know, has been back to the moon or that deep in space in over 40 years since the Apollo missions. This craft will be fully automated so these passengers uh, will be pretty much
0: just along for the ride. And Which as, is great, but kind of scary at the same time.
1: Well, I don't know. I w- would be more Scary, I think, is if they had to take control because that means something is wrong.
0: Yeah, but like people have got a problem with self driving cars,
1: yeah, taking them down the
0: road. Would you be okay with a self-driving spacecraft? I mean,
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's a bit of a it's an interesting proposition. And as for the identity of these these passengers, uh, we still don't actually know who they are. SpaceX has said that they wish to remain anonymous for now. Uh, all they have said is that these two people know each other, and they actually came to SpaceX saying that they wanted to do this. Um, so they've already paid a deposit towards the
0: total cost of the flight, which is likely to be in the tens of millions of dollars. I mean, So, this literally could be anyone with the money to, to spend, but that mm-hmm. still could be uh, quite a few people <laughs> on that, that That's list. right. In, way too many to narrow it down, but I'm sure a few of us are wondering about celebrities who might have uh, decided to take this journey. It's possible. It's happened in the past. Mm. Um, we'll have to see. Um, well, just a reality check here. So far, SpaceX hasn't flown any people anywhere. They've only delivered supplies to the International Space Station, so it's a very fast timeline. <laughs> It
1: is, and, you know, in fact, the rocket that this mission is supposedly going to launch on, which is a a beefed-up version of their current Falcon rocket, that hasn't flown yet, and neither has the crew capsule that they'll actually be inside. That's called the Dragon 2, and the current version is just for ferrying supplies, so the life support systems here have not been tested yet. Uh, And both of those craft are actually years behind schedule, and they're not supposed to make their first test flight without a crew until this summer. So, you know, a moon mission, that's well within the design capabilities of this craft, but uh, whether they can safely test it uh, before stuffing people inside of, inside of it but, you know, by the end of next year, that is a big question mark. Although, having said that, the timeline is similar to what NASA did during the Apollo program, where they rushed their first flight around the moon to beat the Russians. That was the Apollo 8 mission,
0: and that was just over a year after the first test flight of the Saturn V rocket. But why the rush? Is it possible they're trying to beat NASA back to the moon? So that could actually very well be the case. Uh, The timing is very interesting
1: because NASA has its own upcoming deep space rocket, which is supposed to go up for its first test flight uh, next year as well. But just a couple of weeks ago, NASA announced that it's considering now adding a crew To that mission, and that would probably be a very similar mission around the moon. And this is reportedly due to pressure from the Trump administration to get NASA to, you know, actually show some progress. Uh, This mission could possibly be timed to the 50th anniversary of the original Apollo 11 moon landing, which would be in 2019. Um, So, so yeah, SpaceX saying that they want to do this by the end of 2018. It is kind of a bold play that steals a bit of NASA's thunder. They can't say that out loud because they actually still rely on NASA contracts to fund the company, those uh, ferry missions, taking supplies to the International Space Station, and uh, actually starting, they're supposed to start ferrying astronauts next year. That's all very lucrative. Uh, But this sort of shot across the bow to NASA, I think that is the subtext. In the end, I have to say, delays are very common, not just for SpaceX, but for the entire space industry. So in the end, I wouldn't be surprised if SpaceX pushes this back a few months
0: or even a year. Even if they do, there's no total guarantee of safety when it comes to spaceflight, is there? I mean, SpaceX has blown up a few rockets in the past. That's right.
1: And, uh, you know, in all fairness, so has NASA, and so has the Russian space program. Spaceflight is just an inherently risky thing. Uh, so, you know, in the end, the people who are willing to give Elon Musk tens of millions of dollars to do this, you have to assume that they're prepared to accept that risk, as were the people who flew before
0: them. You think if it's a celebrity that's going to be going up there, that's great publicity, but also could be awful publicity if something was to go wrong. Exactly. So, uh, well, we'll see when the announcement's made. Um, speaking of risk, one place where no one should have to risk their safety is on the Internet. We know that this whole cyber world can be a toxic place, full of hateful comments, harassment. But last week, in separate announcements, Google and Facebook revealed their plans to fight back with artificial intelligence. Let's start with Google.
1: Right. So last week, Google launched a tool for web developers called Perspective. And it uses an AI to detect hateful content. So it gives phrases or sentences a score uh, based on its toxicity. And it's an open platform, so anyone can use it on their website. And the AIs are based on machine learning. So they're trained on sample sets of hateful speech so it can learn to try to recognize them on its own. So it's a somewhat similar methodology to Google's recently upgraded translate tool. But I have to say, the actual performance of the perspective is a bit of a mixed bag so far. For example, David Auerbach, who reports for MIT Tech Review, noticed that while it flags statements with certain words like garbage or Hitler, it has a really hard time knowing the meaning. Of those phrases. So, for example, it, phrase, it flags the totally innocuous phrase garbage truck as very toxic, 78% toxic according to its metric. Uh, it flags the phrase Hitler wasn't anti-Semite, a very true statement, as 70% toxic, more toxic actually than saying Hitler was not an anti-Semite. And there's a lot of other offensive phrases that it doesn't uh, recognize as well. So this is clearly still in an alpha stage, but the hope is that it will get better over time as the algorithms train on the feedback that it gets from users.
0: More work needed then. But meanwhile, Facebook's using AI to try to identify users at risk of self-harm and it's spurred by some recent tragic incidents on Facebook Live. We heard a little bit about this last week. Can you elaborate further?
1: Yeah, so in January, um, a 14-year-old girl in Miami streamed her own suicide on Facebook Live. And now Facebook is responding by using artificial intelligence to identify users who might be at risk while they are broadcasting. So this looks for comments on live streams like, Are you okay? or I'm worried about you from family and friends and these streams are then quickly sent to a human for review at Facebook. And if this is indeed a situation of a potential suicide or other self-harm, it then puts the user in touch with the suicide prevention hotline. And this is really encouraging. Facebook has been working with these suicide prevention agencies to try to formulate the most effective way to do this. And the director of the U.S. National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, John Draper, actually called this a huge step forward. Uh, so, so far this tool is only being deployed in the U.S. for testing, but hopefully both this and and Google's tool, uh, eventually, hopefully, they turn out to be effective at making the internet a safer place.
0: Yeah, they'll have to sift through a lot of those cryptic Facebook posts where people just write some uh, statement like, awful, exclamation mark, and leave it at that. Prompting the whole series of people saying, hey, what's wrong? What's going on?
1: Yeah, it's a lot of noise to try to extract this this signal.
0: But, it, but it's great that they're trying. And finally, let's end by turning to one place that seems the very opposite of the Internet. A very real place, seemingly untouched by humans. So in that sense, real, but many of us will be more familiar with the internet ironically, but this is the Amazon rainforest we're talking about here. According to a new study, its trees may not actually be as wild as they seem. That's right. There's a new study out last week
1: in the journal Science that looks at Palms and trees that were domesticated by Amazonian peoples, and it shows how they have proliferated throughout the rainforest to the point where now they're five times more likely to dominate mature patches of forest than wild species. And we're talking about trees that produce things like Brazil nuts, uh, cocoa, and cashews. Uh, These trees are even more common around known archaeological sites of ancient settlements. These are settlements before the arrival of Christopher Columbus, and so that's how they can tell that this was ancient human activity that really shaped the landscape that we see today. So it's it's along the lines of you know many other studies over the past couple of decades that have really altered how we understand the role of ancient humans in
0: shaping our environment today. Right. Well, Mark Astro, thank you very much for taking us through those. Thank you, Alex. That is our science and technology roundup with Mark Astro. Radio that matters.
1: Every morning with This Morning.